0: Thank you for listening to The Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Consider supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com, subscribing, and sharing this message with your friends. God bless you. Thank you so much. You may be seated. It is truly an honor to be here today. Um, I'm from Oregon, and we still... Are in pretty severe lockdown. And I can't tell you what it means to be in this service and feel normal. It's been a long time since I felt normal in church. Although we worship God, masks or no, God's presence isn't determinant on anything. But oh my goodness, your beautiful worship. It just it's, it's just, I'm just drinking it in. I am loving it. I do give honor to the leadership of this church. Uh, your uh, pastor's brother, Stan Gleason, who, in our family, he's an all-time favorite preacher. He's Uncle Stan, but he is the man of God who has spoken into the lives of my children and thank you for the Gleason for what you've done and also brother Justin Gleason who I have listened to preach many times from this pulpit and the word of God that comes from his heart and study is profound and I thank you brother Gleason for your ministry and of course the ladies of of this church, the, the first ladies, Sister Marlene Gleason, Sister Anna Gleason, and all my relativities, nieces and nephews and their beautiful children, and um, my sister-in-law, Pam. It's just a joy to be here. Um, it, it, there are some things in life that you can't put a value on, This experience is one of those for me. It's going to be a forever memory. I'm not usually gone from my church on Mother's Day, but this Mother's Day is forever going to be marked in my heart, being with all of you. We had a great first service, and I'm glad I got a second shot. I got really off my notes this morning. And so maybe I can try to stick with my notes. And Brother Larmy, I'm just going to tell you, wow, did we all get the warm and fuzzies. When you told your experience, I'm so thankful that God is interested in every aspect of your life. I'm thankful that God can give you the perfect husband or wife for you. I'm thankful for my husband of 50 years, a great man of God who has directed our family in the ways of God, is a man of the word apostolic he loves the word of God and the truth of the word of God and my family would not be where they are today if they didn't have a dad that was strong in apostolic truth so I just want to say happy Mother's Day to all you wonderful mothers and you're here and that's good and just keep coming just keep coming. I'm not going to say that life is easy right now, but I am going to say that with God, life is wonderful. Because it doesn't matter what's going out. Oh, it matters in a, in a sense. But when you are in the hands of God, you are not dependent on what's going on outside. You're not dependent on what's happening. Because God is in control of this world. And if God is in control, and I'm a child of God, I can rest in that. We can rest in that. We don't understand things. We don't see the end of the story. But we have a God who sees the end of the story. And if you stay safe in his hands, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. You're going to make it. Your children are going to make it. I enjoyed that beautiful dedication service of these Beautiful, beautiful babies. And I thought to myself as they were lined all across the front, these little children are depending on this church and their parents being faithful to this church. And if that happens, there is no telling where those little children will be if the Lord tarries in 20, 25 years from now. But this church is critical for their lives. Parents, faithfulness to this church is critical for their lives. And I love that God works in the lives of children. I love that children have pure faith. When you tell them God can do anything, they don't differentiate between cancer, headaches, you know, an owie, God can do anything. They have pure faith. And so don't underestimate, parents, what your children can do in the spirit. They can pray prayers of healing. They can pray prayers of protection. I'm going to get off my notes again, because I just want to say something about single parents. I thought I brought a Kleenex up here, but... Anyway, I have... There it is. There it is. Thank you, thank you. I have a friend who is a single mom. Okay. That is a great challenge for a, for a parent. But I'm going to tell you, if there are any moms in here that you're a single, single parent and you have despaired that, it's gonna, that you're going to be able to do this, I'm going to tell you something. You can do this because you're not alone. God is with you. God will help you. Uh, This young lady uh, was left, she was left with um, uh, three children, young children, and uh, she was uh, financially uh, in a terrible spot. They barely, now they're doing better now. Her kids are grown, her kids uh, have been to Urshan College, and they're doing well now. But there were times that they did not even have money hardly for food. And she told me this story, and it's such a powerful story on God knowing where we are and God seeing where we are. Her little girl one, one time came to her. and She said, Mom, I need some batteries for my toy. Well, this young lady was so frustrated with no money and trying to make it with these three little kids she, prob- she told me, she said, I probably wasn't in a very good spirit when I said this, but I just looked at my little girl. I said, well, why don't you pray about it? Well, children have pure faith. That little girl went into her room, kneeled down, and said, God, I need some batteries for my toy. Well, it wasn't too long after that that there came a knock at the door. She went to the door. And you know, there were bags of groceries out there. You knew I was going to say that. So they pulled the groceries in, and as they began to unpack those bags of groceries, everything in those bags of groceries was what they all loved. So she thought, my sister went to the store to get this for us because it's everything that we love. At the bottom of the last bag of groceries was a pack of double-A batteries. Does your God hear you? Yes. Does he see you? Yes. Can he provide? Yes. Well, she said, she called her sister, said, oh, thank you. I never gave you those groceries. It was quite a while before she found out that a lady in the church was in the grocery store, and God spoke to her and said, I want you to get some groceries. And she told, she told this sister, she said, I walked up and down the aisles, and God stopped me and said, get that, get that, get that, get that. And she said, when I was at the checkout counter, I looked over, and there was a, a thing, an aisle of, I mean, a little stand of batteries, and the Lord said, get some of those AA batteries. That's our God. That's our God who hears the prayer of a little child and gets batteries for her. Do you think God can provide your needs? Are you are you in a situation where you're praying for God to pray? God sees where you're at. He can provide your needs all the way down to batteries. That's one diversion. You know, I am just feeling way too comfortable up here. But I love this church. I love this church. If God ever releases me from Oregon, I'm coming to this church. I give you fair warning. I love the worship. I love the leadership. I love the music. I love everything about this church. So if you pray that God will give me release from Oregon, I'm, I'm coming here. But I was thinking as I was sitting over there, I was thinking about, I was in a ladies' conference just a few weeks ago. And I looked out, there was a young lady sitting out there, a beautiful young lady. I mean, pr- probably, I don't know, 20s. People get looking younger and younger for me as I get looking older and older. But anyway, I, I was noticing her worship, her vibrance. And then they showed a video, a little video clip of her story. This young lady was, she was not born, raised in the church, and she had a horrible background, and she got involved in horrible sin in early parts of her life, and she was trying to, she was trying to fix her life. She ended up in rehab several times. She just couldn't fix her life, and she had a baby, and when she had that little baby, she wanted to do life right for her baby. For herself, she was just wandering out there, but she wanted to do right life for her baby. And so she began to seek God, and she found an apostolic church, got in the apostolic church. this beautiful young woman of God. But she said something on that, that video that just really impacted me. She said, when I didn't know God, nothing was enough. But now that I've surrendered to God, this is everything. You know, we have a whole world out there that are seeking to find what satisfies. But out there, nothing is enough not fame, not fortune, not popularity, not position, not uh, executive privileges, nothing is enough, and we sit here, we are here in this service today, and we know God, and we've come in contact with the Almighty, and this is everything, don't let the enemy tell you, you need this, and this, and this, and this, I'll tell you what you need, you need God, and then God provides all the other things that you need. So, I just felt to tell you all that, and now i 'll get in, I'll get into the business I do oh, I do have one more diversion you know i'm feeling much more comfortable here because I know i'm not on a time frame so when brother Brother Gleason comes up here and pulls my my coattail and tells me to go sit down but The other thing, you you know, we're we're living in such a strange time, and the enemy is playing with our minds. He really is. He really is. He's doing all sorts that he can. You see, he realizes that his time is short. He realizes that we have a future, and he doesn't. He doesn't like it, so he wants to drag you into his future, but as for me, He's not going to take me into his future because I have choice on that. And when I choose I'm not going with him, he can't get me. He can't take me. All he can do is try, but I just make the choice on that. But I wanted to to tell you, you you know, uh, we've got Brother and Sister Cantrell here, our wonderful missionaries. And... I thought about them, and I thought about missionaries, and I thought about Benny de Merchant. Now, I don't know if this church ever had Benny de Merchant here, but Benny de Merchant was an all-time awesome missionary to Brazil, and and, uh, he uh, evangelized, really, he evangelized the Amazon, the Amazon River went down into all sorts of little tiny Villages, there are churches down the Amazon River that nobody even knows they exist, but they're there, they're apostolic, they love God, they know truth, they're worshiping, they never leave that little village, and they're going to go to heaven, and you're going to see them in heaven, because Benny DeMerchant evangelized, but Benny DeMerchant was in my dad's church in in New Brunswick, Canada, when his father... Dropped dead of a heart attack when he was 16 years old. But I'm going to tell you that God values every single person. Now, that could have been a devastating thing for Benny DeMerchant. His mom, a wonderful lady, we're celebrating Mother's Day. And I'm going to tell you, there are heroic mothers that have walked the path of life and raised children who have done amazing things for God. His mom was faithful to God. She was faithful to the church, beat a merchant. I still remember her playing the piano because every time she pressed the pedal, she'd do this. That was, and she could, she could play good, but she always, I remember that she, she had a grocery store and my dad had just come home from the mission field, and we were poor as church mice, and we didn't get many extras and treats. And at Christmas time, Beat a Merchant would send us a great big old bushel basket. That basket, as the years go by, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I think it's almost a dumpster size now. But anyway, she'd send us that bushel basket full of all sorts of goodies and treats that we'd never had. All year long. And at the very top was a pot of gold chocolates. And that, to this day, when I see pot of gold chocolates, I don't really even buy them or like them all that much, but they still mean a whole lot to me. And a great big 25-pound turkey. But I'm going to tell you about Benny DeMerchant. I'm going to tell you about what God can do with a person's life, and we rate people, and we decide whether somebody is going to be valuable in the kingdom of God or not, but Benny Demerchen was a very quiet-spoken guy, and you know, in his graduating class, I was I was there in Perth when he graduated, and out of the, the he was in a class of some, some young men, and you know what, probably nobody would have voted benny Merchant to be the one to succeed he kind of talked slow and drawled and and he, but but at 16 years old, when his daddy died, there was a man in the church that had a little pontoon plane, and he thought, this young man needs something. I'm going to teach him how to fly this plane just to kind of give him something to live for. And so uh, he took him out. He taught him how to fly that pontoon plane. Then Benny DeMerchant went to Bible College, and he had another man there that was, was interested in flying, and, and they did flying together. And at the age of 23 years old, Benny de Merchant landed in Brazil. And he did not know the language. He and his wife landed there. He did not know the language. He had no place to live. There was nobody at the airport to meet him to try to take him and show him where to go. But I'm going to tell you that over the years, Benny DeMerchant flew that plane and did ministry down the Amazon until he evangelized that whole Amazon area. And that man, one man, one man conquered that area. Now there's a thriving, I mean, they have their own national presence in that area. It's a huge church. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Don't underestimate the value of one. God only needs one. Mothers, I'm going to tell you, you do not know what God wants to do with your child. Oh, you can get them into all sorts of things. You can get them into all sorts of programs. But you better keep them into the program of the church. You better keep them into the program of living for God, serving God, the word of God, prayer. You know, if you have to give up some of those other things out there to be faithful to church, you give them up because the most important thing you can do for those kids is keep them in this house of God and teach them the word of God and teach them how to pray and teach them that the God of the universe that spoke this world into existence is their God and he can do anything and he can, if they'll live for him, he's going to use them in the kingdom of God. God can take people who have terrible backgrounds. He can take people who have good backgrounds. You see, God is not, he's not stopped by what our backgrounds are. We are stopped sometimes by our background. We are stopped because the enemy blasts the past. Through our minds. Look what you did. Look what you were. Look how you were. You are not worthy. I'm gonna tell you: when you hit this altar and you put the past behind you, you are worthy, and God has a future for you. And your children are worthy. Yes, they're gonna make mistakes. Yes, they're gonna blow it. You just keep them coming back to the altar. You just keep them loving their pastor. You just just keep them loving their teachers. You just keep them loving the church and you do not know what God wants to do. At that special little baby that your wife held in her arms, I looked at that baby. I thought, God, is that a Nona Freeman? Is that a sister Cantrell? Is that a missionary? Is that a lady that is going to do something powerful in the kingdom of, we don't know, but God knows. But what we do as parents, mothers, what you do, your most important job, your most important job is not to the climb to the top of your corporate ladder, wherever you're at. And I applaud you for how how uh, how prestigious your job is. I think that's wonderful. But if you've got children in your home, your most important job is to train those children to be children of God, to be powerful for God because those children have an eternity and you have an influence over that in eternity. We are influencers as women. We are influencers. We influence our children. We influence our, our husbands. We influence our home and the influence of that That is really what we need to go. So that's all my diversions. Now we're going to get into the message. (sighs) Isn't it wonderful to know God? When you drive out of this church grounds and you go to your job tomorrow and you hit the grocery store, most of those people don't know God. Most of those people don't are caught up in a world of panic and anxiety because they're afraid of a disease they're afraid of a pandemic they're afraid of the future but you know God you know God and you can show them the way to God you can disciple them let God ladies you need to let God show through you're, now, all of us do, but girls, we, we don't look quite like everybody else. But when they see you, they need to see the God inside of you. When they see the God inside of you, they're going to know that that God is doing something for your life. And if, if they need prayer, they're going to ask you. They may sneak over to your desk and say, I've got a problem. Can you pray? You know God. You know God. Let's show God to the world. Okay, we are talking Mother's Day. Okay, Oh, I I just got to read you this. You know what? I forgot to look at what time I got up here. What time does this service get over? Oh, my Lord, that could be tonight. No, just kidding. I want to read this. You know, I wrote this several months ago. I dreamed a dream. I went back. Have you ever dreamed about your childhood? The older you get, the more nostalgic you get about your past. And the interesting thing about the older you get, the more embellished your past becomes. The stories get better and better and bigger and better. And you know, perception is reality, so it's, it's okay. Several months ago, I dreamed, I went back. Grammy was there. Grammy was always ancient to me with her false teeth and wrinkles. Mummy is there. Mummy was always old. 30, really old. 40, terribly old. 50, getting close to Grammy. Ancient. The other day I looked in the mirror. Horrors. I am now the ancient one. My sweet young ladies in my church, they never say it, but I know they think it. She's ancient her crinkly hands, her achy bones, takes her a while to stand up, takes her a while to get moving. I know they think it, but I did go back. I went back to where, hurrying home from school, my mother was a prayer warrior. Hurrying home from school when I'd walk down that driveway, run in the house. Mom cooked homemade bread I don't know how many times a week and I'd walk in that house to hot homemade bread and melted butter and I'd get changed into all my winter clothes and I'd say Mummy I'm going to Eleanor's to to toboggan, and we get down there, and go down that. now you all don't toboggan here, you don't get enough snow here to toboggan, but once we got snow in New Brunswick, Canada, it, well, you never saw the pavement again till spring, and so it just built up, and built up, and Eleanor lived in a farm, and they had this huge pasture, and it would always, sometimes it froze over, and it always had snow on there, we'd go up and get in on that toboggan, we'd come flying down that hill, and there were two gate posts at the bottom of that, big old round, that was for the gate posts, and you if you've ever been on a toboggan you can't turn a toboggan very fast we'd have to we' come around a corner go through those gateposts and you know Eleanor would yell lean lean we'd all lean and we'd try to get that toboggan to turn you know if we'd have run into those gate posts we would have been bits and pieces we would have been, but oh my goodness we did that, that I went back to that I went back to my beautiful childhood I went back to when I was home from school and and you know mom when she got everybody away from away from the house to go to, go to school then mama would pray in the kitchen and I can remember my mama praying and she would start down the list she would pray for all the kids Howard and then she'd pray for Howard Helen she'd pray for Helen Donna she'd pray for Donna and then it was my turn and I would listen for my mama to call my name in prayer and pray for me and she'd pray for my life and she'd pray for my future and my mama knew how to pray and I remember I remembered all those things and then I woke up And I was back to reality. But I was so thankful that I had memories. Of what my mother prayed, of my dad's preaching, I can remember. Daddy, Daddy loved the oneness of the Godhead, brother. Brother Gleason, he loved the oneness of the Godhead because you see, he didn't always know that. He was actually, he was actually believing a different doctrine when God revealed that to him. And uh, he, when he got that revelation of Jesus is God, he ran. He was in a little country town. He ran up and down that dirt road. He was yelling at the top of his voice, "Jesus is God! Jesus is God! Jesus is God!" My daddy, he loved oneness so much, he used to play us these debates. These very brilliant people having debates about the oneness of God. And it was many weeks of Bible studies. And I have to tell you that I never understood a word of what those guys were saying. But when I came out of those debates, I knew one thing Jesus is God. Jesus is God. So there's so much there's so much that we can influence the children growing up as mothers as fathers too. I, I don't diminish the impact of fathers. They need to see strong dads. I'm not going to be here on Father's Day, so I might as well preach the Father's Day one too. They need strong fathers, fathers that will say, Oh no, Oh no, we're not going to do that. No, this is church night, and we're going to church. They need their daddy to stand up and say, It's time for the word of God. They need to hear their daddy's voice and. Prayer, not only Mama's voice in prayer. They need to hear Daddy's voice in prayer. They need they need Daddy to say, "Look, kids, come on, let's 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 read some Bible." My Daddy used to read the Bible to us, and we'd always have to say one word that we got out of that. So we at the very end, we'd try to think real quick of what a word was, and then we would pray together. But there's parents, I can't tell you how dependent your children are on you for what they're going to be in the future, and so Mom. We're talking Mother's Day, Happy Mother's Day. I love it. You're you're honored today, and and uh, uh, Sister Marlene has got to cook today. But most of you probably, I hope you don't have to cook. But if you do have to cook, make them clean up. They need to need to do that, and then that deserves a pot of flowers tomorrow, and maybe a box of candy or something. But oh, as families, God invented families. God created this. This is the plan of God. You are living out the plan of God in your home with your family together, your children. And God gives specific instructions in Deuteronomy that when we are, are we teach our children, we teach them the, the words of God. We teach them what God is. And from the morning until night, we teach our children. You know, you're not going to sit them down. I mean, you can't sit a two-year-old down for more than two minutes. In the, but you can teach them the word of God. Look at the flowers if they see a bumblebee jesus created god created that. so we have we have such a responsibility okay oh let's get going on this now i just want to say a few things about the wise mother proverbs chapter 14 verse 1 says every wise woman buildeth her house but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands ladies moms future moms mothers of the church we need to be wise We need to be wise. You need to fill your heart with things that will help you be wise. You need to fill your mind, your eye gate, your ear gate, with not the things of this world and not the things of the entertainment world. You need to fill yourself full of the things of God, from the word of God, from your relationship with God, from your journey with God. God wants to do big things through moms. You have been blessed and called to motherhood, a very honorable calling, and God wants to use you in that calling. You know, it's a call. This just didn't happen. You would not have a child except God gave you that child. Whether by adoption, as Brother Justin Gleason said, or by biological birth. You are called to motherhood. And so you, we have to be wise as we are living our life with these, this that God has put in our lives to help us lead them to God. Now, I have four children. I always thought the perfect family was two. So we had to. Seven years later... I didn't realize, my husband, this wasn't in the marriage vows. He didn't tell me that he thought the perfect family was four. So he began to work on my emotions, as husbands sometimes will do. He said, you don't want an empty nest in 12 years, do you? Well, no, I didn't really. Well, let's have another baby. Oh, you know, all the baby stuff was gone. I was really busy with life, but he wanted another baby. So I said, God... This is all up to you. We had another baby. I said, God, you love him more than you love me. And so then I had that third baby, and then he started on another line. Now, that you don't want this to be like an only child, do you? There's so many years between him and his brother. God, this is up to you. So we had another baby. After that, I took some things in my own hand. But I can't stand here and tell you that I was a perfect mother. I tried to be a wise mother. I tried to keep my kids going, but if I could tell you all the stories of all the all the things that I did wrong, and all the things that just should have backfired on me. But mothers, I'm going to tell you something. God will give you wisdom as you walk down the path of motherhood, because every stage of life, life has got its different challenges. Every stage is wonderful. Every stage is exciting. Every stage is great, and when they're toddlers, you think, I can't wait. I can't wait till they're teenagers and can take care of themselves. Wait, wait, because they have their own sets of things and sometimes it's difficult, but God will give you the wisdom. If your heart is toward God, if you're praying for your family, if you're sincere and pure hearted before God, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to let God direct you. But mothers, you are the keepers of the home. The wise mother, the Bible tells us that the young, they're keepers of the home. And as a wise mother, you need to be aware of what's going on in your home. Uh, Brother Gleason referred to this during the dedication. You need to be aware of what you let through the doors of your home. And, and, you know, everything can't come into my home. Everything can't come into my home. I used to tell my kids when they were teenagers, I said, you know what? There are house rules here, you know. That man over there, he pays the bills, he puts the food on the table, you put your feet under his table, you eat your food there, you sleep in a bed he provides, you sleep under a roof he provides, and you're going to follow the rules of this household. And so everything, that, everything they wanted to bring into that home just couldn't come and say, no, I'm sorry, this is not something that we're going to do as a family, but you, you need to take authority over your family. You know, sometimes we as parents get, get scared of our kids, we're afraid, but you're a mother You're the keeper of the home. You need to guard that home from the evils of this world because I'm telling you, evil is more accessible today than it has ever been in the history of humankind. It's accessible by the click of a button. And if your children have devices, you need to be careful how you're handling that because those kids, you know, you hand a teenager a device and say, I trust you with this. Well, God help us. They're teenagers you know they're going to make mistakes and so we have to we have to guard that home we have to be wise women and God gives us the wisdom. Do you know that sometimes something may be going on in your home and, and everybody's keeping it? The kids are keeping it secret from you. Guess who tells you what's going on in that home? Some, some days you're down there in prayer and all of a sudden God begins to reveal to you, oh, 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 there's a problem here. You know, you do that two or three times with your kids like, hey, kid, I know what's going on. You're going to spook them to death. They're going to be afraid to do any of that stuff in your home. But God will give you the wisdom for that through the word and through prayer. And so one of the critical things, mothers, that you have to do to be a wise woman is to make the right choices, set your priorities right. You're never going to get that house exactly the way you want it. Okay? And it's never, you know, a house can... Stay dirty forever, but it never stays clean. I refuse to be um, bound by making sure that my house is clean. I, I do my best. I promise you that there's no, there's no critters or... Things like that running in my house. But if you walked into my house any day of the week and you wanted to find something that wasn't totally pristine, you would find it. I'm, I, I, I confess it. But that's not the most important thing in life. You know, time with my kids was more important than making sure that every single thing was absolutely perfect. If you're a perfectionist housekeeper, stop it. If you've got kids in the house you're going to make them so paranoid now I'm not telling you to to live like a like a you know dirty or anything like that i'm not saying that I'm saying we we need to be wise in our priorities and wise in our choices of what we're going to do with our time and what we're going to do in raising our kids and we need to be careful on we need to be careful on what we allow to come into our homes um, There were magazines that I got as just that I enjoy. They weren't really all that bad, but I had three sons. And when they got a little bit older, I said, oops, those magazines really are not depicting what I want my sons to see. So I got rid of them. We have to be careful what we allow in our home. You guys, oh, that is really far out. Well, maybe it was, but that's what I felt to do, so that's what I did. So pray. Ask God to help you. The most powerful tool that you have. One, the word. Two, prayer. You can make it through any circumstance of life. You can make it through any stage of upbringing of your children. And there will be challenges, hard stages. But your, your weapons, it's not trying to make sure they get to every. The single social that's going it that's not your weapon although that's fun the kids need to have teenagers need to get together there, and this church provides a lot of wonderful things for your teens but that's not your best weapon it, it your weapon is not providing them the nicest clothes and all the name brand stuff and and uh you know a car when they turn 16 that's not your weapon your weapon is on your knees. Your weapon is in the word. Your weapon is getting direction from God, getting wisdom from God, because every one of those kids are different. You might say, well, I raise them all the same way. Don't raise them the same way. They're every one of them different, and you're going to deal with each one in in the way that Relates to them and God will give you the wisdom for that. God will help you to deal with your children, to reach into their hearts, be close to your kids. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. We used to take family vacations together and we were very poor. We did family vacations like carrying your egg salad sandwiches with you in the car. And as soon as we got in the car and started down the road for about one-third of a mile, they say, Where are the egg salad sandwiches? And and we had peanut butter and jam. And you know, you don't have to provide them you know, exotic, great, expensive stuff. You provide them your time. You provide them your attention. You provide them your love. You provide them direction. And those kids, the things that we talk about when we become adults, we don't talk about what we what we got. We don't talk about what we had. We talk about what we did together. We talk about in our family, my kids are grown. My daughter is 44 years old. It's no wonder I mentioned. And my sons are, you know, they're old too. I can't remember their ages. But when when they were kids and we were doing stuff, what we talk about when we get together now, we talk about that trip we had. When we were driving my Parents in New Brunswick, we could fly into Maine, we'd drive up to New Brunswick, and there's an old song, a stretch of woods north in Maine that's never ever ever seen a smile. If they buried all the truckers in those lost in those woods, there'd be a tombstone every mile. We were going through that lonely stretch of wood in the middle of the night. And it was dark. There are no street lights, there are no rest stops, there's no nothing. There's nothing. There's woods for miles. And we we're going miles, and we had a we had an audio tape on, and it was one of those scary stories by Frank Peretti, you know, and I, I think it was the monster one. And we'd come to the end of the chapter of that story, and we'd all be screaming in the van, and we'd all be would all be scared half to death in that lonely stretch of woods. But you know what? That was family together. My teenage son went. one One of my sons said to me one time, he said, Mom, there's nobody in the world that I'd rather be with than all of my family. That was the best compliment I ever got from a teenager, that they love to be with their family. You want them to fall in love with your family, and you want them to fall in love with your God, and you can't command love. I have, a, I have a single son, 35 years old. Let me tell you, if I could command love, he'd have been married a long time ago because I found a lot of wonderful women for him, but he, knows, he just don't take it. But you can't command love. How do you get your kids to fall in love with God? I'll tell you how you do it. The wise woman loves God. The wise woman says that she loves God. The wise woman acts like she loves God. How do you act like you love God? Because you love the house of God. You love the things of God. You love the word of God. You love prayer. Those are the things. When you, when you show your children, they are going to fall in love with the things that you fall in love with. When you got to start that when, when they're this big. When they're this big, you start praying over them. When they're that big right over there, you start praying. Of course, you probably start praying over them when they're in the womb. But you start praying over them. And and you know what? they can. We don't know what they understand at that age, but they can hear your voice and they can hear what you're saying. And and you start praying with them and you start teaching them that you love God. And they're going to know that you love God as parents. They're going to know that you love God. And so when you love God, they're going to fall in love with God. The best thing you can give your kids, moms, is heaven. The best thing you can do for your kids is show them how to go to heaven. The wisest thing that you can do is teach them about God. Let them know that the God of the universe that performed all those miracles, Daniel in the lion's den, Samson with his strength, the three Hebrew children, all those miracles, that's their God. That's the God that they serve. That's the God that can protect them when they're, when they're in a car that's going to get in an accident. That's the God that will protect them from, from, uh, evil that is trying to seduce them. That's the God that will be with them when you can't be with them. That's the God that's going to follow them because see, you're directing God every day. Be with my child today. Follow wherever they go. Keep them from harm. Keep them from evil. And when you loose God's hands to do that for your children, God will do that. God will be with them. My kids, they all went to college. I'm just now finding out some of the things that they battled in college. But you know what? God was there. God was with them. God helped them. They all came through college living for God and serving God. Some kids don't make it. But if you're holding on to God. Now, prayer, I think prayer is one of the wisest things we can do. And I am going to close with this. I think it's probably time for the people who came at 8 o'clock to get home and have lunch. I'm starting to feel for you. And I know that you got to sit there until I sit down. So I'm fixing to sit down. But I feel this so strongly. I feel this with passion because the devil wants every one of your kids he wants to destroy them he wants to he wants to leave them laying in a pool of destruction and dirt and corruption and he will walk away from them laughing that he got them. That's what we're up against, moms. That's what we're up against. The devil wants your kids. And so we have to use the tools that we have to keep the enemy from breaking through the barrier that we're putting around those kids because those kids were dedicated. All those babies were dedicated this morning that they belong to God. They belong to the the master. And we've got to Put the barriers up to keep them close to God. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to do stuff. You know, you never stop loving your kids because they make a mistake. But neither do you validate their mistakes. Okay? You know, if the pastor has to deal with one of their mistakes, you don't get mad at the pastor. You just say, okay, you did wrong. We're going to get this right. We love you. You made a mistake. And you move on. You don't validate. Okay, that, I, you all know that. You're smart here. Some people I've worked with don't know that. But Oregon is a little backward, maybe. <sighs> don't you let my people know I said that. Uh, I think this one might be streamed. Oh, dear, I hope nobody at home is watching. No, my people are wonderful, wonderful. It's a great church. We've loved it together. But prayer. I, I, wise women will make the right choices on their, their relationship with God. Prayer is the key. Pray, pray, pray. You can never pray enough. Now, you might say, well, I work a job. I take care of my kids. I take care of my house. I don't have time to go in my bedroom and spend four or five hours in prayer. No, I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to have some private prayer with God, but I'm asking you to have a prayer meditation all the day all the day meditate on the things of god meditate on prayer talk to god when you can you might be driving to the grocery store grocery store you don't have anything else to do you can talk to god you might be you might be taking the kids to school coming home from school going to school, you're driving them to school, talk to God. Pray over them while you're in the car. Just take pockets of time and begin to pray. You would be surprised if you just took the pockets of time in your daily schedule. You would be surprised how much time you're communicating with God. The Bible says pray without ceasing. That means that you're in an attitude of prayer. Now, if you're doing a technical job and you're having to think you can't pray then, but when you're doing non-technical jobs like most of us mothers do, like vacuuming a floor and doing dishes and, and cooking food, you can pray at that time. You know, you might be, you know, praying over meatloaf and baked potatoes, but I'm praying, I'm talking to God. And that's not all the talking to God I do, but that is some talking to God. And you know, every time God lays something on your heart, take Take two or three minutes and pray. God will lay things. You're doing the dishes. God will lay something on your heart. You just stop and take a couple minutes and pray. And I'll tell you, if you get that attitude of prayer, if you, get, if you start controlling your thoughts, girls, you know, we have this spaghetti brain that never stops thinking. And we're just so envious of men who have that waffle brain in little boxes. And you can look at a man and say, what are you thinking? And he says nothing and he's telling the truth. And you look at him and say, that can't be the truth. You must be thinking something. You must be upset with me. You must be, no, 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 no. They have a nothing box. They can just think nothing, but we can't, we just keep, we just keep thinking and thinking and thinking. So when you're thinking like that, you can, you can multitask, you can pray. Prayer passes through concrete walls. There have been young men, young women in prison walls, and you know, Brother Mahaney's son, down on his knees, Finding God behind concrete prison walls because somebody prayed. Prayer travels. Faster than the speed of light. You don't know where your kids are sometimes when your children are out and you don't know, and all of a sudden something hits you and you think, oh my goodness, I need to pray. You pray. You stop and pray because God knows where they're at. And God is taking that prayer and, and operating. You know, our prayers go to the throne, and God from the throne disperses angels to go out and, and take the answers of these prayers. Your prayers are powerful. Your prayers never die, they are eternal. They're bottled up. Every tear that you've ever cried is bottled up. Every prayer that you ever prayed is 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 there. The prayers of my mom and dad have never died. Those prayers are still working in our lives. They're working in our children's lives. Your prayers will never die. Your prayers are the most the most valuable thing that you can do for your kids is pray. Sometimes we try to try to work and earn stuff so we can do this for our kid. No, 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 no. Pray. Pray. The most valuable thing you could do for your kid is pray. Prayer carries answers faster than a jet or a rocket. Prayer looses the prison bonds and sets captives free. Prayer performs on the spot surgery. And I've heard testimonies of that, where something was going on and God took care of it. And it didn't have to be a surgery. It doesn't happen all the time because God takes us through things in life. If God answered every one of our prayers and we never had any problems, we'd be all weak weaklings. We have to be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might and we do that by going through some things but prayer dries up cancer prayer Prayer brings COVID patients off the ventilator. I saw one last week in School of Missions, 30 and 29 days on a ventilator, and she's walking around and she's well and she's healthy. Yes, many have died, but I'm gonna tell you something. You don't stop praying when somebody gets on a ventilator. We have a missionary laying in a hospital in Washington state right now, and he got COVID. His motorhome is parked in our driveway, and I'm praying, and his wife is believing, and I'm believing, and our church. Churches believe it, that God is going to raise him up. God is going to bring him off that ventilator. God is going to put him back on the mission field. He's going to a little country in Africa. That little country has no other missionaries. It's a fledgling work. He needs to be there. And we're praying and God can answer those prayers. So, girls, prayer, prayer heals broken hearts. You know, God is the only one that can heal a broken heart. You, if you have a broken heart and you're suffering from grief or loss or, or whatever is going on, you pray. God will help you. I think, the let's stand. I want the army of prayers in Kansas City to rise up. I know you pray because I feel it here. But we need to pray more. You know, as we get closer to the end, it gets intense. And we are close to the end. I believe that one year has propelled us a decade into end times. We are so close to Jesus coming. And that's why everything is so intense. And so instead of getting all frustrated with that, we need to get excited about that. I looked up at clouds the other day and I thought I was going through a a storm, in an airplane, and all the layers of clouds, that I thought, God, are those the clouds that we're going we're gonna to see you come back on? Oh, Jesus, wouldn't it be wonderful if I saw you, but you see, we got to get the work of God done, so let's get the work of God done. I want I, to, would it be bad if I just asked the moms, can you just come up here? We want to pray for the moms. You have an enormous task. If you can, if you can, just spread across here. I want, I want your, I want your uh, um, bishop to come. I want Brother Gleason loves family. Moms, he is your best friend. He agonizes for your soul. He agonizes for the souls of your children. And. I know that there's probably mothers here who have prodigals. And I'm going to tell you, don't stop praying because God is bringing prodigals back home. And God wants to do that for your prodigal. So thank you, Kansas City. You're sweet. You're wonderful. I've loved being with you. But if I can leave you with anything at all that you're going to go home with, I'm leaving with you, you with please don't stop praying. Please don't stop praying. Say, well, I already pray. Pray more. Do more. We're so close. Jesus wants to help us and he can help us when we lose his hands through prayer.